Hello, coaches. How are you? Coach Cameron Furtado here for the Championship Vision Podcast. <clears throat> Today is episode 96. Today we have Coach Roger DiCarlo. He has been the head girls basketball coach at San Marcos High School in California since 2002. Coach DiCarlo took off the 2010 and 2011 for family obligations. Coach DiCarlo returned to the sidelines for the 2012 season. Since his return, the Knights have had some historic seasons. During the 2012-2013 season, Coach DiCarlo guided the team to a league championship. He was named San Diego County Coach of the Year in 2013. During the 2013-14 season, the team made it to the CIF San Diego Section Finals. During the 2016-17 season, the Lady Knights once again were CIF SDS San Diego State finalists. The 2017-18 season was the most successful season for the Knights basketball program under Coach DiCarlo. The team made it into the open division of the CIF San Diego section playoffs. The 2017-2018 team made the CIF state playoffs for the second year in a row. The team was able to advance to the CIF state semifinals. They came up short to eventual state championship, Redondo Union. Coach DiCarlo was named Cal High Sports Division II State Coach of the Year for the 2017-18 season. During the 2018-19 season, the Knights under Coach DiCarlo were plagued by injuries. The Knights entered the playoffs with a losing record. <clears throat> the Knights then went on to win three straight playoff games to once again get to the CIF San Diego Section Championship game. They qualified for the CIF state playoffs for the third straight year and were able to get to the CIF quarterfinals. Coach DiCarlo's high school coaching career also includes being the head varsity coach at Hoover High School and leading them to back-to-back -back league titles. He has also coached lower levels at Madison Freshman Boys and Claremont JV Girls. Coach DiCarlo has also had the opportunity to coach collegiately at San Diego State and Allen County Community College. Coach DiCarlo has also coached football and track at San Marcos High School. Coach DiCarlo is also a computer graphic design teacher at the school. <clears throat> Roger and his wife, Nicole, have been married since 2007. They have three kids, Travis, 10, Addison, 8, and Bryn, 7. Yeah, I'm so excited to have Coach DiCarlo on. First of all, I love talking to coaches from various states, particularly California, um, California literally is a country in its own, but they have some great coaches out there in California, some great teams, some great players. And I just love to hear different perspective on how the game is uh, promoted, how the game is played, how the game is taught in different states. I think you're going to really enjoy Coach DiCarlo's uh, just, just uh, insight into how he's building his program. He calls it the system, and he's going to talk about that here on the podcast Coach DiCarlo, welcome to the podcast. Here from San Marcos High School. We're so excited to have you on. Hey, Coach, tell us, you're from California, San Diego area. Tell us about how you got involved in the game and how um, it kind of ended up where you, you are right now at San Marcos. Well, just like uh, Coach Kiernan from Modern Day, um, I started listening to his podcast the other day, and he mentioned that he had a high school coach that was 
and my role model was Gavillet growing up, and he was our high school basketball coach and taught on campus. And I thought that's kind of what I wanted to do when I grew up. I wanted to be a teacher and coach, and um, kind of followed his plan. Um, you know, I coached locally. I coached my you know my brother was ten years younger, so I started coaching like key ball. And then my you know my good friends played basketball, and I you know I really liked basketball as well. It was a fun. Uh, sport even though I didn't play in high school I uh, I just enjoyed the game and the strategy of it all and just kind of started coaching youth leagues I mean I coached the YMCA for a couple of years and then uh, you know rec centers and wherever I could to get some you know, my skills up and then I got the job opportunity to coach at Madison High School local high school freshman boys and um, had a lot of fun um, but didn't make any money and, you know, I was going to school and I got the opportunity to coach girls at Claremont, which is a local high school as well. And, you know, they paid. So, you know, when you're 21, 22, you know, $3,000 stipend is a lot. So I switched to girls and, you know, that was 1994. And then, you know, been coaching ever since. And you've had a way in the last, you know, 30 years. Yeah, it looks like um, I just really like what you're doing with the program. I have a chance to kind of really study you a little bit before the podcast. Uh, I'm really going to pick your brain on some of the things you're doing. Matter of fact, I, I kind of stole your video. I love what you're doing with video. I really want to pick your brain on that. We're actually going to kind of steal your idea about doing a little pregame video, man. I absolutely love that. Um, tell us about the key mentors in your life. I know I have a bunch of coaches that I still I stay in contact with. Who are some guys that are a big influence on you? Well, obviously, my high school coach, Rick Evelett, um, like I said, I didn't play for him. I played football and, you know, was just a manager for the basketball team. Um, you know, he uh, what's funny about him is, you know, he was just a good guy, you know. And um, he ended up coaching a college class when I went to college, and he was in my college, you know, coaching basketball class. And it was kind of <laughs> funny, to see, funny sure. to see him nervous. Like, he was actually nervous. So he, used to, he was making fun of me a little bit to kind of, you know, ease his nerves. Um, you know, and I got the opportunity to coach at San Diego State my senior year at State, and so I got to work with Barb Smith. Um, learned a ton from her. I mean, she's one of the legends around the country. Everybody knows who Barb is, and she was at Minnesota, and she's been around. She was at Colorado, but she was our head coach at State. Learned a ton from her, and then you know, club basketball coaches that. Um, when I coach club basketball, I coach pretty high level club, and I worked with a guy named Terry Scaife, who's known around San Diego, and. He was kind of just a legendary, you know, champion coach and taught me a lot about, you know, pressure defense and getting after it and, you know, keeping things simple. And I think he taught me that um, at a young age, I was able to keep things simple and able to coach better. Um, actually, I just got done you know, 30 minutes ago. I went to watch a local college coach who I think is one of the up and comers in the, the game, uh, Lee Marshall at Palomar College. And man, her practices are fun to watch. They're loud. They get after it. And you could always learn something from her. Yeah, and I, I tell you what I sense in you. I sense you're kind of a you're a learner, um, and it's not all about the guys that have played college. Some people think you know you, you play college, you even you know you were a great player in high school. That doesn't equate to being a great coach. You seem like a guy that really, really loved the game, and you you really learn the game, and you continually learn, right? Oh, you have to, I think. You know, we ask our kids to work out all the time. We ask our kids to work on their jump shot. We ask our kids to, you know, do the extra stuff. But as coaches, if we're not asking ourselves to do that, then, you know, what are we doing? You know, we're kind of – it's not – it's not – you know, it's nice. We're showing them we're getting better. You know, I'm constantly, you know, learning if I can. You know, like I said, I went to practice today. Um, you know, obviously watching videos, you know, reading books, anything I could pick up on, um, especially because I didn't play. And, I, you know – I think I see the game differently, so it's an advantage on certain things. Um, 
but it's also why I hired good assistants that played the game. So they, you know, they could bring that perspective of a player. And I have, you know, I have a couple of great assistants as well. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, tell us about what you learned today. Give me something specific. Were you looking for something or you something you just picked up? Well, actually, I brought my whole team over to Palomar College. Palomar College okay. is a junior college in California. They're proud. They've been ranked in the state yearly. And um, the one thing they do that's just different is just they're loud defensively. So my current team doesn't talk very well. I mean, we have a bunch of young kids. So I want them right. to see what the volume really is. You know, we, um, and let me tell you what, Palomar gets after defensively. They're full court, run and jump, um, get in your face, get in your, you know, get up in you and, and that's what they saw today. And, you know, just the noise, how they echo every call, like the coach will call something, you know, 42, and you hear the whole gym yelling 42. Um, those little things, you know, you could, are little additions you can add to any program. Um, you know, whether you're running, you know, pack line or just a full court press, like those little nuances to the game or something you could add to any program. Yeah, and that's almost worth like two or three practices, right? I mean, for them to go watch a really good program. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think, like I said, we graduated to go back. One of the reasons I brought my team over there is we're very young this year. Uh, we graduated seven seniors last year. So we're replacing everybody. And so these young kids, you know, even though they learn from the graduating class, they still need to see it. And it's one thing about talking about talking, but actually to see it and hear it and be in a gym where you just, it's deafening. You know, they're just so loud, um, you know, calling everything on the sideline. Just, it's a, it's a whole you know, group effort. And it's just great to see, you know, we're at that resource five minutes down the street. Yeah, absolutely. That's really a smart move. I mean, and I love the humility that you have. A lot of coaches won't do that. They just say, well, I'm going to do it my way. I, I, what you're doing makes a lot of sense. And I, I totally believe in that. Um, tell us about the competition in the San, your San Diego area. Tell us a little bit about, I know California basketball just from just from talking to a lot, and I, I grew up out there, so I I understand it. But tell us about the the great competition out there in San Diego and California. Well, California basketball in general is you know one of the tops in the nation. We have some really really good teams um, in San Diego alone. We have some teams that you know are starting to get uh, recognition across the state. I mean, in our league, and, and it's why it's tough for us to win league every year. We have one of the best coaches and programs in you know California and Mission Hills, uh, Chris Croce who actually also coaches at Palomar College, uh, does just a phenomenal job with this program year in, year out. They, you know, they're known for the ferocious defense, getting up and down, hitting the three. Um, you know, we have Marlon Wells at Bishops. He's also a phenomenal coach. He's just got a kid, McDonald's All-American, that went to South Carolina. Um, you know, when we have some, you know, Terry Bamford at Galway Country Day, who's coached on the U.S. national teams. Um, she's got to keep going to Oregon next year. Um, so San Diego basketball in general, the top five or six teams are as good as most teams in the state. Um, but, it's, you know, it's, it's getting kids involved. And, you know, there's some really, you know, there's not a lot of parity in it. There's five or six good teams in our county, and then the rest are kind of just average. Um, and, you know, we're right, up, right at that threshold. We're right at that top ten level ourselves for the program. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about now. We're going to talk about because the coaches that that listen to me are guys that hey, me they they want to know how to build a program. They want to pick out certain things that uh, successful coaches are doing, just like you're doing. We're going to Palomar. Um, tell me a little bit how you kind of you kind of adjusted your philosophy, didn't you, in the last few years? Uh, you kind of changed what you call the system. Tell us about that. Well, my first year back, I had to take two years off for some family stuff. Um, 
and from the 2013 season on, I've been back. Um, in my first year back, we had a kid that was really talented, and we, uh, she, you know, she averaged like 28 a game, but we were losing. We weren't winning. We weren't being competitive, and we didn't have a lot of fun. It seemed like on the court, um, you know, if she had a bad game, we were down. And so we went to we call it the system because it's just what we've done. You know, making the extra pass, doing it. Um, you know, catching, shooting, driving for somebody else, kind of like the Popovich, you know, half second um, offense that he talks about, you know, being ready to catch, shoot and thing. And so we wanted to open up to everybody because it became just a one-on-one game with her. And so we kind of studied anything we could find. You know, we went to a dribble drive kind of offense and then we were able to get more shots for everybody and she still got her 20 points a game. And it made us a lot better program. And so since then, you know, we don't really want a kid's going to score 25. I mean, it'd be nice, but we're going to have three or four kids going to average 12 a game. So if you ever look at our stats for the last three years, we don't have a kid that's averaging 16, 17. We have four kids averaging 12. And trusting the system is trusting each other um, in everything we do, you know, defensively, you know, playing help and getting over. But also trusting the system means making that extra pass because, you know, that's the right pass for our team in our system and what we do. And I think that success is, you know, shown the last couple of years because, you know, we don't have a 30 point score, but we have four or five kids that could put the ball in the basket um, because they're getting the easier shot. Um, and it's something, you know, we've built all the way down to our middle school level now that, you know, they run the same offensive system, but they're learning how to share the ball. And I think that's one thing, you know, it's a lot more fun for them because they all have a chance. Yeah, I, I really like what you said there because we actually made some similar adjustments too. We have one girl that uh, is already being looked at by Mercer out here, UGA, different schools. And uh, we started to make a difference when we went to – that's why I want to pick your brain on your offense. We run a five out, but we'll probably do more four out. Talk about your, uh, your, your influence of Harry Peretta. Oh. Uh, from Villanova, and because I, I saw some video on, I really like what you guys are doing on your spacing, your driving. Uh, Seems like you're developing really good shooters. Tell us about your offensive system. Well, I don't know about uh, you or anybody, but Harry Peretta is amazing. Like his clinic videos are worth Harry Peretta. I mean, his first DVD came out. He uh, he was talking about his. Uh, zone offense and zone offense is phenomenal. It's just, you know, it's a sure. simple offense, uh, you know, running and we call it Nova. I mean, you know, it keeps it simple and it's a lot like our motion. So we're not teaching as much and actually we'll run it. Um, and I mean, not teaching as much, but we're not, you know, spending so much time on our zone offense. Our zone offense kind of mimics our man offense. Um, so you're spent, you're being more wise with your time. Um, but Harry Petter is ama- amazing. You know, his, his coaching style, um, you know, once again, he's a 40, his 41st season at Villanova, so somebody you obviously can learn from. Um, so we, you know, his numbers, he's got a numbered motion offense, and I think that's one thing he may be known for. And I know um, I know Jay Wright probably, you know, watched a couple of his practices and stone stuff from him. Um, but he runs every action as a number. And so, like, you know, well, number one is a basket cut. Number two is a screen and curl. Number three is a screen and slip. Number four is a screener slips. Number five is a flare screen. Number six, uh, we run a pick and roll. So we've adjusted a couple of things. So anytime the passer is a post and passes it, they screen and roll. Uh, seven is a flare slip. Eight is a dribble handoff for us. So we, we call it, you know, eight is our dribble handoff. Uh, nine is a dribble at back door. And 
my new assistant coach is uh, played at Utah or BYU, sorry, and their assistant coach, their head coach played was assistant coach for uh, Rick Majerus, and so she was a big okay. motion guy, big big motion guy. So we put in zero, which is a screen and fella, um, and so she wants us to run more motion, you know, screen game. But the great thing about that is, depending on your first and now with the numbers, you could change your motion. And what we found in the past, we ran a straight four out, one in, or five out. You know, sometimes our kids would get stagnant and not moving. And so as a coach, like Perietta says, we can change, we can call something we see from the sideline. So I have a little bit more control. Like I could run a five, which is a flare screen in our quick transition um, to see if we get open shot for somebody or if we could run a two for a mismatch. Um, I think it's one thing I've done the last six years that has just changed the way I've coached. I think it's just, it's the best thing we've done. Um, We've had college coaches come by and they start hearing our kids talking numbers. Um, you know, I start teaching at the sixth grade level, our number system. So they have an idea and I'll keep it simple. Kind of like the read and react. We'll run one, twos and threes um, or just whatever we need to run. Um, but it's one of the things we've done that I think has been the best thing offensively for us. Yeah. And tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about, cause I love what you're doing with that. Uh, we don't call it numbers. We have just simple one word verbals. Um, you know, like a Utah or whatever, you know, for pick and roll, things like that. Um, what's the advantage? I know you have some three number calls, right? Um, right. Tell us a little bit how, how you, you're a little bit more, um, a little more detail on uh, your number system. Well, what, we, what I like the best about it is we run it like football. And I'm a football background. I've coached football for 10 years. Um, once I started having kids, uh, I gave up football. I chose to, you know, stay with the basketball program. So, <laughs> With football, you could run a, a lead, you know, a 33 lead. You could run that out of seven formations. Well, why can't you do the same thing in basketball? So we decided we're going to run, you know, a 1-4 high and run our number system. So we'll run a, a 5, which is our flare game, um, into, you know, out of, of a 1-4 set or a 1-3-1 one, one, or a 4-out-1-in or a 5-out. So we'll call a formation, and then we'll call a number to get us a quick hitter. So one of my favorite plays is pistol 8. So it's 1-3-1. One, and then we run a pistol screen, which is an eight handoff, and we come off the top and it's a pick and roll. So it's for us, it's it's more like football. We can run more stuff, um, more actions, and the kids aren't thinking as much. You know, they're just playing, and I think that's um, nice. And then the other thing, like you said, we have combinations. Six one nine, which is is our motion, is just a basic passing game. So it's six actions, which is post players on ball screen. Ones, which is backdoor – or sorry, basket cuts. And nines are dribble ats. Um, so it's basic passing game motion. And then we'll run a screen game, which is two, three, four. So that's just all like screens. And actually we added zero this year, but zero, two, three, four is all screen game. So I think the benefit of it, just like the read and react, is you can be flexible to your personnel. Um, and I think that's one thing that helped us last year because we had so many injuries um, – that, you know, we were able to just change up our number scheme to who we had. If we didn't have a post player, we would switch up our numbers. So you stay in that one possession, you stay with that number system, you change it. Uh, Cause I don't make a lot of calls. I, I kind of allow my team to kind of just play with a lot of freedom. I'll make calls like on dead balls. Are you making calls and they stay in that call for the entire possession? Yeah. So I would go, we'd go like um, 619 is our base. Last year, so that's our basically our passing game. Um, okay. Six, six actions, one's actions, and nine actions. 
So, like I said, six is pick and roll for any whoever the designated screener is. It's usually our post player. Uh, ones are basket cuts and nines are back doors. So that was our base last year. Um, this year, our base is going to be a screen game, which is zero, two, three, four. Um, but that being said, we could run a quick hitter, for example, like I could run a five action and then we fall back if the five doesn't work into a two, three, four. Um, it's, it sounds more complicated than it is, but I think with our training, um, you know, we've, we've, we've taught our kids so many numbers and how it works. It's made it nice from the sideline to be able to kind of switch things up quickly. Yeah. I mean, it's a great system. Matter of fact, I'm really looking to adopt some of that. So Hey, every person I'm stealing from every time I listen to all you guys, man, I'm stealing one or two things. So, Hey, don't take that personal. (laughs) Well, when I, when I, when I say it out loud, sometimes the coaches are you and this podcast, it sounds really complicated. Um, but, but what's great about it is, like I said before, like you start hearing kids say, Hey, I, Hey, hit me on the four. And you start hearing the kids on the sideline, they're talking numbers or they'll watch a game or watch practice. Hey, they're running ones here. Um, and so it's kind of, it's interesting. They're not saying basket cuts. They're not saying curls. They're not saying, um, you know, slip the screeners. They're saying numbers. So it's kind of dialed into our program. And I think that's one of the fun things, um, you see what yeah. we're teaching I tell you what I love about it is we all talk defensive communication, like, you know, I got ball, box out, shot, all that, but we don't teach enough offensive communication. And I love how you're doing that. Right. And and we will go just five out of motion and have them call whatever they want to. And obviously the pastor calls it um, and then they become, you know, they communicate what they want. Um, And even in a, normal set, we will have one kid, all she does is, you know, curls. So she, all she runs is twos. One kid are all run ones. Um, I just think for me, it's been one of the best things I've ever done. That's um, uh, just simplifies the game. And that gives me a little more control because we were in just four out one emotion. I didn't think I had enough control or I couldn't help my kids enough. Um, and now I can help them a little bit more and a little bit faster. Yeah. And what I love is like you said, you have a system and I think, I don't think enough coaches have a system. So a system to me, right, Roger is man, you're starting it from the sixth grade up. That's a system. I I definitely think that's been our biggest advantage. Um, The two kids that just graduated have had since seventh grade. um, They're playing collegially. Um, You know, I think every kid on my team this year will I've had since sixth grade um, at the middle school program. Um, So I think, you know, that's, that's been the key to us, you know, staying, you know, consistent despite, you know, graduations and graduating some studs and some really good basketball players. I think having the opportunity to coach with them for three straight months, like a regular season um, for three, you know, three years. Um, I think that's changed our program as far as like, you know, able to implement it. So when they come to high school, they're ready to play and they're ready to go. And we just can work on them getting faster, you know, more consistent in their shots and that kind of stuff. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. When you have, I mean, a lot of coaches don't have that hands-on opportunity to work with their little ones. Um, I'm lucky that I have – I teach K-5. I teach all my kids from K up. So I have a big advantage. And now where I'm kind of seeing the fruits of my labor. Uh, so I definitely agree with you there. Um, hey, I love what you're doing online because I watched uh, your offensive video. Uh, that was like 30 minutes. I didn't watch the whole thing. But man, that's great stuff. So tell us about your – you love video. And tell us what you're doing to help your team with what you do uh, with the video? Well, I think one of my, I, I teach computer graphic design. So I'm, I'm lucky that I'm, you know, in front of a computer and I'm teaching computers and, you know, one of my, um, you know, have the ability to do that. And I teach the same thing I do for my students in my b- basketball program. Um, 
video has always been my favorite thing. I just, I learned most from video. Um, you know, we had a football coach that said video never lies. And, <laughs> sure. um, and it's never as good as it seems and never as bad as it seems. And I think video, you know, shows that. And, um, and so we try to do as much video as possible, um, whether it's we, we huddle or crossover um, or, you know, you putting stuff on YouTube. I think, um, you know, we try to show as much as possible. You know, one thing we also have is that teachers, we have, you know, we, we have Google Classroom. I'm on Google Classroom for my program. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to put up little um, PDFs or flyers or um, things I see online. I'll put on there for them to see. Because, um, as you know, these kids these days are connected to their phones. Sure. So if I could put stuff online on video for them to watch it in short snippets, um, they're going to watch it because their phones are on them. Um, they might not be the best at texting back a coach, but they're really good <laughs> at watching social media and they've seen things. Um, I think just the video part of it is great. Uh, one of the reasons I put better that, that video for the offense is because I want them to see it. Um, as we graduated seven seniors, I want to make sure that, you know, the next group is able to see it because once again, seeing it is better, sometimes better than actually teaching it. Um, and they need to see it, you know, read about it and then obviously do it. And I think that's the best way they can learn, um, you know, kind of our system. Yeah, I totally agree. And of course we have huddle and so forth, but, um, and sometimes I guess, isn't it better? Don't you think Roger, that it's not even good for them to see it within a team. It's probably better for them to see it on their own so they can really study it without. Well, Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram you know how girls are without worrying about what other people are thinking no 100 i think you know obviously we all have to watch film as, as a team but um one thing you know from coaching college was able to and you know the individual meetings with the kids because you could actually point out and i try to do my best if a kid has a bad game um i'm blessed to be a teacher on campus so i can call my kids in during lunch and talk to me before school and i can sit down and watch film with them explain what i'm seeing. and then we we use video for everything i think mean, we do um Obviously, for teaching is the best thing, you know, video. Um, you know, we videotape our practices. Um, I have actually one of the cheapest assistant coach I have is I bought a GoPro, and I put that GoPro right behind our backboard, and it's kind of – it's lined up straight up. And so okay. it's almost like having a defensive coach in the back. And um, I think it's a GoPro, and I just put it on, you know, YouTube, and I'm able to watch, you know, if our defensive – are we rotated right? Um, are we over? Are we on our, you know, the line? And it's straight up the middle – and so I think the GoPro, I'm able to put it like a bird's eye view, allows us to watch video a little bit more practice when we have the time. Um, but, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a teacher on campus, so I'm able to, you know, watch more film with them and able to sit down with them. I think that's been a big, big advantage for us as well. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, I want to – yeah, that, that GoPro, how do you connect that? Is that anything that um, – uh, I, I know Huddle has, uh, of course, a, uh, another aspect where we can't afford that, but – I would love the I love the video more practices without me doing it. We just put the GoPro on a selfie stick and we okay. stick it in the pad. And truthfully, we just stick it in the pads up a little bit, um, the, you know, high enough that, that the girls can't, you know, touch it. And we just turn it on for the hour and a half. And then that, when practice is over that night, 
I upload it to, you know, crossover or huddle or uh, YouTube or my Google drive, whatever I have. Um, I've been doing Google drive cause we, as a teacher, we get a little bit a better discount um, and I'm able to watch it from there. So the next morning I'm able to, you know, watch the film. Um, I think it's been great for me as a, to, you know, watch certain things, little aspects of the game. Um, cause you can't see everything in practice. And, um, right. and I think the GoPro is a ch- alternative to, you know, that you're able to have another coach kind of watch from the baseline. Um, and the, we just set the GoPro up. There's nothing fancy to it. We, we plug it in. So it stays the full two hours and, um, and I'll just delete it after every day. I love it. I love it, man. I'm going to really check into that. And I really, that's something that's very unique. Um, Coach, talk about your defense tomorrow. No, no. Thursday, I'm interviewing Mike DeVelbis, uh, who created the Buzz oh. defense. And uh, I'm sure you're going to enjoy listening to him. But um, talk about – you're big on the Buzz, right? But you also have multiple defenses, right? Well, for sure. We um, we love the Buzz. Actually, DeVelbis, his daughter played at Western Oregon, which is where my um, one of my top players a couple of years ago, Jordan Modishaw, played. Okay. And so I didn't, get, I didn't get a chance to meet him, but it was kind of cool to hear that name because, you know, he's been around um, – he actually, uh, Russ Davis at Vanguard, who's probably one of the top college coaches on the West Coast. Um, I think Coach Kearney mentioned him as well. He also runs the bus. And so we actually took our team to watch them play last year on the way up to Ventura for a showcase. And they're, you know, it's, the buzz is great. It's just, it's something we like to implement um, when we have the right personnel. I think that big kid in the middle is important. Um, we just haven't had that kid I, I like to play the middle spot. And so we haven't run the last two years. Um, I'm going to try it, run it this year, but we're a little tiny in the guard spot. Um, we also like the pressure teams. We run a full court, um, you know, two to one, the Wahlberg press. Sure. Um, but just like, uh, you know, still in Perrietta's offense, we've modified it to fit our personnel and kind of like what I like, you know, it's, you know, Wahlberg's press, you know, has some great features to it to the front side, but I changed up the backside a little bit. Um, and we just want to be aggressive defensively. You know, we, we like to get after it. We want to force tempo. Um, I'm not a full system Grinnell style team, but I want to, you know, try to create more turnovers and more shots for us. Um, and the more we get defensively after people, the, you know, the better we could be long-term. Um, but the buzz is a great defense. I mean, something that, you know, I, I want to run more. Um, if I move my guard, if my guards can get after a little bit, it would be great. Yeah. We really believe in the pressure. A matter of fact, I'm, uh, we run a one-two-two ball press and uh, one-three-one half-court trap, and um, I'm really lo- I like to kind of change defense. I, we're always pressing, coach. I mean, we and we don't have great athletes. Uh, you can still pressure without great athletes, right? Percent. I mean, it, well, you watch. You know, one of the things I've been studying this year was the this summer was um, Doug Porter's. You know, Grinnell system, his system at, that he ran at. Um, I'm sorry, Olivia Nazarene. Yes. You know, I've been studying his system. I got the Barber, Dr. Barber's videos. Um, but I can't, I'm just, I haven't committed to go on the full system. But I love this, the idea of platooning um, our guards and have them pressuring full court. Um, they're talented, but they're not as talented as we've had in the past. I've had, you know, I've had, you know, two, five, nine guards last year at my point guard and two spot. And they're both playing collegiately this year. Um so we just we shrunk a little bit. We're five two now across the board, and so <laughs> so it's really uh it's going to change our style a little bit. I mean, I still have some size in the backside, but I think you can pressure. I think it's all about the mentality. I mean, 
Um, I talk about my offense, I'm aggressive, but defensively I have that same football mindset. Like I want to get after you guys. I want to get after, play faster than you want to play, um, make you guys beat up and make people um, play our space. Um, you know, I think I saw something today. Uh, they're playing us, that we're not playing them. And right, we, want sure. to, we, we want people to play us. Like we want to dictate the pace. And one thing we did this summer is I kind of implemented some of the, the pace that, you know, Dr. Barber talks about and Mr. Porter talks about, like, you know, getting after it, subbing off and just full court getting after it. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I love that because uh, I interviewed both of those guys. Matter of fact, I, um, I met um, uh, Coach Porter in uh, at the Hoosier Clinic, uh, my friend runs, and um, – Great guy, man. Very, I mean, he'll answer any of your questions. And um, he's a great guy. He, he's probably the most underrated coach in America. That guy has a wealth of knowledge, not only about the system, but just about basketball in general. So I highly no, recommend him. No, I just, I just finished reading another System Chronicles. I don't know if you've seen that. He blogged his first first year at um, – at a, when he was a first-year assistant coach after he left Olivia Nazarene. Yes. And it's online, and it's great. It's and he, blogged, he blogged about every day all the struggles he had with the system. And even though it's the system, you could, you could see things that, you know, you could implement in your own program, like all the faults he had and how he thought kids, you know, assumed kids knew stuff and they didn't. And, um, I, I mean, I, I think it's like 45, 50 blog entries, and it's just great. Everything's like a book. It's like a book. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Um I, I want to make sure I get that. Send me some information on that if you could, Coach. I, I definitely want to check it out. Um, For sure. It's something when I was studying, like you said earlier, I study as much as I can. I find anything I can find on um if I'm decide I'm gonna go on dribble drive, I'm gonna read everything I can on dribble drive. If I'm gonna go <laughs> with the Harry Perrett offense, I'm gonna find anything I can run on Harry Perrett. I think that's that's our job is to be the masters of what we're teaching. Yeah, um, no doubt. Yes, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I also love your practice philosophy. You were talk your um, your systems based on the games based approach, which is kind of it's kind of a, a, a not necessarily a new model, but I think a lot of coaches, and of course Chris Oliver is the you know kind of the creator of that. Take, talk talk about why you use a game based approach to your system. Couple things. I think the kids these days aren't playing enough basketball in general. Um, and so we want to get them as many touches in a game-like situation as we can. So whether it be in two-on-two, where they're getting a lot more touches and they're working on their two-man game, you know, pick and roll or dribble drive or dribble handoffs, or three-on-three, we're working on our screen game, or, you know, four-on-four, which is more of a, sh- you know, putting everything together and with five and in the post. So we, we just felt like we got more kids' touches. And, you know, I think playing scrimmage in five-on-five five is obviously important, but, you know, they're not getting enough touches in a practice. And I need, you know, all my kids to get touches and get better. And, you know, we could drill to a certain point. And, you know, dribbling one-on-oh is great, dribbling two-on-oh, but dribbling one-on-one is so much better for the kids because they're, you know, they're feeling the competition level. Um, I just think the small-sided games allows our kids to get more reps. And I think that's one of the reasons, you know, we do it at every level from, you know, you know, sixth grade on, we just try to do as much two on two, three on three um, live action as we can, because it gets kids to play. And I think these kids aren't playing enough because when a play breaks down, you know, what are they going to be able to do? And I think uh, those three and three actions, those four and four actions allows you to get that reps in that they may not normally get. 
Um, and we could teach her all our stuff kind of like um, in football, we ran half line, the same thing. We could run all our stuff on a half court um, on a, just split the court in half and run everything to the left side. And we could run three on three from that side. Um, I think that's just one thing that allows us to, you know, get the kids. They're not just playing at the park anymore. When you're driving down the street, you look at the park, the kids aren't playing. And so these kids, you know, they play club basketball, but they're not running our system. So put in, you know, making it smaller sizes for them, let them play. I think that's helped us, you know, develop them into better basketball players when things break down. Yeah, I, I agree. And of course, you know, Chris Oliver says, I never have a drill without defense. And and I think the reason why we we uh, don't have defense is we want to make sure that we are in control and looking good for the player. But sometimes the best thing to do is for it to look, look a little bit ugly, but you still got to teach the skill though. But they they gotta go through the they gotta go through the you know one on one, two on two phase as well, right? Definitely. I think there's somebody on Twitter, I can't remember, say just we want to practice ugly. You know, you want to have an ugly practice, you know, and it's not going to be pretty all the time. And basketball is not a pretty game. There's not a, you know, there's not a perfect game. Um, it's just never, you, you know, the best teams in the world are going to be perfect. The best shooters in the world are going to be perfect. So practice can't be perfect. You know, you want to be ideal. And yeah, yeah I can look amazing five on O, but, you know, until I get, you know, hit in the mouth a little bit, you know, what's going to happen, you know. And so we'll do a lot of, you know, small-sided games, and we'll do a lot of, uh, you know, five-on-sevens. You know, Mission Hill is the team that we, you know, you know, the, the, our rival in our league who's one of the best teams in California, you know, San Diego and California, you know, they, they're just a great pressing team. Seven, you know, three-on-four, one-three, just to kind of give them the disadvantage to, you know, simulate their pressure. Um, you know, some, so some of the best teams in our you know, state, you know, they pressure, and I think you have to be able to handle it and actually, you know, able to you know give it back to him as well yeah i love the advantage disadvantage drills i think those are underrated man in coaching um coach i, I tell you what i look i saw i loved in your practice you have i think you called it either two-man or three-man warm-ups plus you divide it up into four quarters tell us a little bit about that for your practice plan well we we always and i think i heard you talk to coach phillips about going to warriors practice golden state warriors practice i think that was in your podcast yes and yes. um so me and the boys coach, Dante Carey, we got the opportunity to go to San Francisco and we wanted to go visit colleges. So we went to, you know, University of San Francisco practice and San Francisco state practice. But we had this little, um, we wanted to like, how can we get to Golden State Warriors practice? And so we found a <laughs> connection and um, somehow we got connected with uh, Ray Ritter, who's the guy who's the, who's the guy that's the media guy, media relations director. And so we were able to get to a practice. And one thing we noticed they do is, Without coaching, and I know obviously it's an NBA, they do their first 20 minutes all warm-ups. It's all music, and it's just um, getting after it. They're doing their full court stretching. They're doing their full court 5-on-0 drills, their 2-on-0 drills, all that stuff. And so, you know, it's awesome to see the Warriors, but they're also having fun. They're getting after it. They're getting work done without coaches yelling at them. And so the boys, Coach, and I, we, we practice at the same time because we have the luxury of having, you know, three full-size courts at our school. Um, and we, we decided the first 20 minutes of practice is going to be the, what we call warrior warm-ups. Um, okay. And so that's where we do the two-man drills and three-man drills. And so I wanted to have a sequence where we, our pregame um, was all on the kids. So we just kind of teach them, you know, our two-man drills is, builds our speed break where we're just trying to get up and down the court. Um, you know, one-on-one zigzags, uh, just normal stuff that, you know, we, we want to get after. Then we do three-man days every other day. So they either have two-man days or three-man days. And all our drills are based out of that because it makes 
it's all on them. So the, the kids know how hard they need to go. You know, our captains are leading them through it. Um, and our coaches are kind of just guiding, you know, the kids that need a little more help. Um, I just think it makes it better practices. And then, yeah, obviously, to get in practice structure, I think that's one thing coaches spend, you know, have to spend a ton of time on. I know um, I went to a clinic and Coach Neighbors talked about how many hours he spent on practice development. Um, he used to brag that he'd spend like, you know, 10 times as much as he did one hour of practice time. And, sure. um, I mean, uh, us teachers don't have that much time to schedule practice. So I, um, I made a practice organizer for myself to make it easier for me. Um, but we break it down in quarters because that's how basketball is played. You know, they're breaking, broken down in quarters. So we play 15-minute segments of our first quarter, which could be our offensive period. You know, second quarter is our, you know, defensive period. So third period is our special situations. And our fourth quarter is whatever we need to work on um, for that day. And then every quarter ends with free throws. Every quarter ends with a shooting drill somewhere to get shots in. Um, and so I just think it helps us with time management and able to, you know, fit everything in that we need to get done. Yeah, I love that theory because I think, you know, obviously in the first quarter, I mean, you say, hey, you know, first quarter, hey, we got to get off to a great start. How many times do teams get off to poor starts? So you can you can actually make it more practice game, make it make it more game ready, right? More oh, mental. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> definitely. And, you know, the game's, you know, half mental. I mean, so it's, you got to get after a little bit, you know, if you come in the game, you know, we want to be ready to go no matter who we play. And I think just the way we practice early, you know, we get after it. Um, one thing I'm going to try to implement this year is what, you know, Dr. Barber talked about is I want to scrimmage a little bit more early and do the five on five stuff a yeah. little bit early. And then maybe in the second and third quarters when we do our small study games, and then that fourth quarter, then we come back and scrimmage again. Um, I think that's one thing I want to implement from, you know, the Dr. Barber stuff and the, the, the system stuff. Yeah. I love that. Matter of fact, that's what we do here. We, we love to start off with a five on five segment just to get them mentally ready, but also get them to compete. And then you kind of find out which players are ready to go and you can make adjustments from there. Now, tell me, tell me something, Roger, and this is just my own belief. I can take, I have a practice plan. But if I see something that is contrary to what maybe I had on my plan, I'll do it simply because I think the eyes don't lie. And that's how I code. I make adjustments just like I do in a game. What do you think about that? I think you have to. I think, you know, some coaches are going to stick by the book and stick by that plan, but the best coaches are going to adapt just like a game. Um, I think you have to adapt to your practice. If you see something, then same thing in a game. You saw something, you'd have to change. Um, being able to make those adjustments is what makes, you know, the difference between a good coach and a great coach. You have to be able to make that adjustment in practice. You know, if you feel like you need to spend more time on a certain drill or a certain aspect of the game, I think that's a, a no-brainer. Um, you can't be locked in on your practice plan. It has to be a general guideline of what you're going to do and you, what your emphasis. But obviously, I think if you saw something that needed to be changed, I would 100% change it and need to be emphasized or you know, do we need a more temple drill instead of this next drill? Or uh, is our practice, you know, I have, a, I have a list of five drills that we do. Um, we call them energy drills, and we just throw them in. If, if I feel my practice is a little low, I'll throw those energy drills in, and we'll do them for two minutes and bring the energy of practice back up right away. Um, and I think those are those are never in my practice plan. Those are just in my hip pocket, ready to go. You know, we're doing Tonganoxy drill right now, and it's two-minute, you know, 80 layups in two minutes drill. Um so we, um, 
I'm, 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 I have my practice plan as a general guideline, but just like in class, your lesson plan is not going to stay the same always. Some could happen. Some is going to be adjusted. Some you need to see. You might have to teach something. I think that's what, you know, as coaches, we have to be able to adjust. Yeah, and I guess coaching is really, right, Roger? It's more of an art than a science. It's, it's both, but I think it's a lot of art to it, right? I mean, you got to really – I mean, you got to have some feelings. You got to think through stuff a lot. I think with experience, I mean, you've you've got 30 years in the game. I've got, you know, 30 years in the game. I think you have to be able to see things. You know what's going to happen. You kind of have an idea. I think you got to be almost a, you know, forecaster what's going to happen. Um, and you know you know what's expected. You know, and these, and these kids, they only have four years of high school, and they don't see it. And they sometimes – and it's our job to have them see it. Um, and so I think – you know, it's not, I think it's not what we know. It's what they know. And I think I've heard that a couple of times. Um, and it's our job to make sure that they see it and they're able to do it because um, that's our job as coaches. They're, our job is to teach them what we, we, we know, what's going to make them successful on the court and off the court. All right, cool, cool. Hey, but I love your term energy drills because I have a coach out here in Georgia. That's one of the best ever. And uh, he doesn't he doesn't run his kids like on the baseline. He does those. I don't know what he calls it, but he'll have like 20 minutes of just full court. And if one person's not showing effort, he restarts it. Yeah, we uh, I, I am an anti runner drill like and I mean, conditioning <laughs> just to run like punishment like in they, the kids. My kids know we only run for two drills and it's just because of a uh, because of um just a score has got to be made, but I'd rather have them do full court zigzags. That's full sprint, you know, full yeah. zigzags or full court layups at full sprint or full court five on oath, full sprint, then just running. I think, um, you know, we only have a limited amount of court time. So if you're spending 10, 15 minutes on just running, you know, obviously it's important, but why can't you do 10 minutes of just full court layups or full court two man drills or two full court, you know, whatever. Um, I think you have to be creative as a coach. I think you said, you know, be an artist. I think you got to be a little bit uh, creative of your time with limited, you know, court time. Um, and so we'll, you know, we'll do full court zigzags, you know, uh, we'll do whatever we can to, you know, eliminate just running. Cause I think that's just something that's, you know, you're wasting time up there. I don't want to waste time. I want to be more efficient with our time. Yeah, and, and and particularly girls on that, they they want to see, they want to be getting some out of the practice. They want to enjoy it. Now, I'm not sure how much they, but sometimes they don't even know they're running when you put a ball in their hand, right? No, I mean, I mean, definitely when you do the cycles drill, the where you go five on zero, oh, you know, hitting the one, hitting the five, hitting the three, yeah. hitting the two. I mean, they don't know they're running up down the court six times. They're just going. <laughs> You know, and we'll run us. We, we, we implemented a speed break a couple of years ago, which, you know, we'd want to get a shot within the first 12 seconds. Yeah. Um, if we, you know, if we don't get that, then we're in our motion. Um, and, you know, you put the clock on there and all of a sudden we're much better than we would have just put them on the baseline and running a, you know, a sprint. And they don't understand they're going to be on court seven seconds and back and they're just going. Um, to me, that's much more valuable. Um, being able to, you know, have your, if you're going to punish them, for something you're punishing with something that's going to be beneficial to our practice or to our system. Um, and they don't understand they're getting cycles is a great, great conditioner. You know, we, um, we'll get, I don't do a lot of five on O, but we'll run five on O as a conditioner. We'll run through all our numbers and run it for 30 seconds and have them sprint down and run it to the opposite side for 30 seconds while another team's running it. 
You know, if we have 15 kids and then we have one kid team resting. And so we'll run that as, a, as our conditioning. We'll run through all our numbers. Like, you know, you hear them one, two, three, and they're just running through their numbers of our motion and they're running for 30 seconds and that's their conditioning. Um, to me, I think that's more valuable, like I said, than just sprinting them. Uh, we're getting through our five on all reps, which we need, but we're also getting our conditioning. Yeah, I love that. That's a smart move. Um, and you're, you're just being more efficient. You of your time. Coach, a couple more questions because I know you're busy out there in California. You probably – I'm sure you probably got to get out to the beach a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. We, we got some nice weather. Uh, we're lucky. We're, um, we're, <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been blessed to go around the world, and there's no other place like San Diego, man. It's, 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 other than not having a football team, we, uh, we enjoy it out here a lot. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, talk about how do you win. I always la- like to ask coaches this. The last two minutes of a game, tell me, how do you win? If it's a close game, what is your philosophy on winning those close games the last two minutes crunch time? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, we, uh, I think you have to trust what you do. I mean, that, I, we always we talk about trusting the system. You got to trust what you do. You got to trust your kids. Um, you have to put in, the, in situations, um, in practice, you know, um, you know, with situation drills, you know, we have a card, little index cards of special situations, you know, down eight, down seven. Um, I think the more comfortable the kids are um, in those late situations, the better they'll be. Um, and I think, you know, I think we, if in the summers and stuff like that, you play enough games that you got to rep, you know, rep those, you know, you play some games that you're going to be down to, and those are things you're going to learn from. Um, you know, we, uh, we try to do as much, you know, trusting what we do. We don't change it up. I think being calm, being collective, I don't try to get crazy too high, too low during games. I think that's changed over the years for sure. Um, and just trying to give them that one calm influence on them. Um, when they look at the sideline, they know I'm under control. I think they'll be under control. Um, and, you know, we've lost some games in the last two years that we shouldn't have in the past, in a couple of, you know, one point, two point games. I mean, we lost a championship game four years ago by one point. Um, but we made the right play. We just didn't get the chance to get the shot. Um, so I think just practice and being having them be confident what they do in the last two minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And you have you have certain calls at the end and so forth. I mean, um, are you are you more hands off at the end? I don't I don't know what's better or what's worse. I know a lot of coaches really over communicate at the end of the game, which might tighten their team up. What, what, what's your, what's your philosophy there? I just think having them do what they're comfortable with. You know, they're not, they're not, they're already, they're, they're blood's flowing already. Um, you don't want to put too much new stuff on them. You don't want to put more pressure on them. You know, you kind of, you're wanting to give them what they know already. Um, you know, obviously we could run a quick hitter, which is part of our offense. Something we've done a billion times, but I think the more comfortable they are with what they're doing, um, it's going to calm their nerves. Like, Hey, this is done before this is, we've done this before we've done this before. And so they're able to go out there with, whether the situations, the Seattle championship game or, um, you know, state semifinals or whatever, you know, wherever you're at, you know, state quarterfinal, whatever you're at, they're able to handle it. Um, and so I think just having them do what I, I'm more hands off. I would say, I just right. keep it simple. I'm, I'm a keep it simple coach in everything sure. we do. I, I think, when I was a young coach, you go to the clinic, you you see everything you see, you come back, you put everything in. I think what's made me a better was made me a better coach is I, I simplify what we do. I want to be really good at what we do. We're good at our, you know, our motion. We're good at our dribble handoffs. We're good at our flare game. Um, we're good at that, and we want to be really good at that. And I think 
if you're really good at that, those situations you're able to handle, like you're not going to you know, freak out about it. Your kids aren't going to freak out about it. Um, and I think just, you know, simplifying what we do is it's going to simplify their brains in that situation. Yeah. It's poised under pressure, you know, by the simplicity. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah. I love that. Um, coach, my other question is this, I mean, we all try to develop leaders in our program and so forth. What's your system of developing leaders? Because I'm not sure how many coaches actually have a system. Um, and I'm always adjusting. I'm always trying to develop leaders in our program. How are you doing it there? I think it's it's hard. I mean, you, you want them to be leaders, um, you know, on and off the court and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I've done captains in different ways, and that's worked. Um, actually, I'm trying to play with the concept of um, – I'm going to draw a blank here. The Boston Celtics head coach. Oh, drew a blank. Yeah. Um, oh, my <laughs> word. It'll come to us in a second Brad, here. Yeah. Brad, I, Brad, Brad Stevens. Oh, Sorry. Brad, Brad Stevens. Stevens. Brad Stevens. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But he's gone to no, cap, no captains. And okay. so that's one thing he's done on Twitter. I've seen him a couple of times. He's gone to no captains because um, he wants the leaders to develop on their own. And, um, you know, sometimes we got to push leaders. We got to push kids to the side. We got to push kids to make sure that they become leaders. But I like the concept of no lead, no captains, um, and the kids lead on their own. Um, it's something I want to kind of personally try this year. Um, you know, and sometimes you know you have the little cattiness of girls with cap, you know, captains. Yeah, for sure. And that happens, and that you know, um, it's actually hurt our program in the past. You know, you name a kid as captain, it's the other seniors don't like it. Um, but I think. I'm going to try this Brad Stevens philosophy of the kids are going to become leaders on their own. You're going to see who, you know, steps up and becomes a leader and uh, without naming captain. Um, I think that's something I'm going to try this year. Cause I, I mean, I would ask you the same question. How do you choose your leaders? Well, actually we have, uh, yeah, we have a, a vote on it, but we also have the girls fill out a, a resume and actually apply for the job and so forth. Um, but I, I, I tell you, I love what you're saying about that because the leaders will always show up under pressure, right? Oh, 100%. You know, and uh, is your leader that kid that's quiet, but he's, she's winning every drill because she wants to lead by example. I mean, one of, our kid, one of our kids, I think, who should be our captain is quiet as can be. Um, but she wins every drills. You know, she should be our best player this year. She wins every drill. She competes every practice, every um, run you know competes everything and so but she's not a vocal leader but so she leads by example but i could see if i named captain she would be a captain for us so um i'm like i said i'm gonna try to experiment this year i think the brad stevens approach there i mean he's a pretty good coach i think learning from him would be great <laughs> um yeah so uh i'm gonna try it this year it's and i think it might eliminate uh some of the the the, the votes sometimes can be swayed by popularity even though our sure. program is a family um, you know, I've had these kids in sixth grade. So a lot of these kids I've seen grow up, you know, so uh, I'm going to try it this year personally and see if that's going to help us um, eliminate that. I mean, I think it goes with my other philosophy and I don't think I haven't touched on it. We don't do awards at the end of the season. Uh, we don't do MVP. We don't do offensive team. We don't do all that kind of stuff. All we do is celebrate the seniors that make it through four, you know, the four years or graduate. Okay. Um, I think that's eliminated a lot of the other stuff, like kids, you know, striving to be player of the year or MVP. Um, I think that's, you know, because it, it goes with my, my philosophy, you know, every kid matters. You know, we had a kid last year who was a senior, played three years of JV, and she might have played five games last year out of 30. 
but she busts her butt every day of practice. She worked her tail off um, getting us better in our scout teams. So why is that kid more valuable than the kid that scored 20 for us? And so I gave her the same recognition as a senior as I did, you know, every other senior that was with us because she had just as much part of her championship run as anybody else. Um, yeah. Yeah. She was valuable. Yeah. She's yep. valuable in a role. Right. And that's, and you know, we, we preach that, but then at the end of the year we give MVP awards out or we give <laughs> most, I mean, every yeah. coach preaches team, team, team. And then at the end of the year we give MVP player of the year, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and to me, it's kind of, you know, it's not preaching the family, the trusting each other, uh, the culture that I want to bring. I want our kids all to feel like they're valuable, whether they're playing two minutes a game or they're playing, you know, they're the starter. Um, and I think that's been something that, you know, they, they all know, they all see, they understand, you know, yeah, Jen's getting the same award as Ashley because, you know, she worked, busts her butt every day in practice. Um, just because, you know, her, you know, unfortunately her skill level is not as good, but she helped us so much pushing our other kids. Yeah, she and and just by being a great teammate, that that's invaluable. That, that's something that's hard to measure, right, Coach? Just being a great teammate, coming to practice every day, encouraging, that's valuable. 100%. I mean, you know, you they work just as hard. They, some of these kids that, you know, I worked at the YMCA for five years, so I have that, you know, that character counts, uh, philosophy of playing everybody. So that was one of the hard things when I started coaching high school is not playing everybody. But as we know, it's, you know, sometimes we play to win and we got to play certain kids. So I still feel bad for the kids I don't play. Um, and maybe that's one of the reasons I try to make sure that they feel as part of the family, part of the culture as we do, as that kid that's, you know, going to you know, get the player of the year, the first team honors, that kind of stuff. Because I want them to work as hard in practice and know that they're going to get the same praise as anybody else. Yeah, and those are all life skills. And unfortunately, yeah, I mean, just like in life, you know, Certain people are going to get paid more, but uh, the kid that's, you know, maybe the person that's not um, doesn't have a major role and is working even harder might not get paid as much. That's part of life. But but I, I like what you're saying. I think you really have to emphasize that to help them, you know, to help them further enhance their life skills. I mean, life's all about competition. I mean, you know, there's, everybody's competing for jobs, competing for, you know, promotions and that kind of stuff. And if we could teach them earlier, you know, even though they're, you know, you know, building competition into our practices, building competition, what we do, you know, I think that's important. Yeah. I love that coach. My last question is this. Uh, I call it my one question give me your one best drill and give me your one word that you want your team to emulate this year. So one drill and one word. The one word is pretty simple, and we've kind of been joking about it, is finish. And that's it. Okay. Um, finish what we've been doing. I mean, we've we've been blessed to go to the championship game three of the last five years, but we haven't finished the job and won it. Um, we want to finish every drill with the, you know, the right way. We want to finish every rebound. We want to finish every possession. We want to finish every game. Uh, we want to finish our season. Um, I think finish is going to be our number one, our one word. Um, the one drill, I mean, Tom and Oxy has been a, my go-to drill for so long. And when I was coaching junior college basketball in Kansas, I went to a small town in Tom and Oxy, Kansas. It was about 15 minutes north <laughs> of Lawrence. And I remember recruiting this girl and she had these big old bangs. And I remember this coach, and this is 1999 maybe. Um, and uh, they did this just, pure energy drill and it was simple as can be it was two minutes uh get it you know as many shots any layups as possible and you know our goal would be 80 and 
the last couple of years we've been hit 100. So you make it 100 layups in, you know, two minutes. That's that's a lot of lot of shots. And yeah. so it's one. Of, it's it's my number one go to drill. Uh, whenever I feel like we need an energy boost or um, if we need to get, just work on simple things with layups or just passing or just we need some communication. Um, it's been my go-to drill for 25 years. Um, and it's just a simple, simple drill, but it's been, and obviously they're always, I love telling the story about Tonganoxie because it's just, like I said, it's a small little town in Kansas when I was recruiting. Um, but that's been my go-to drill. Yeah, absolutely. And coach, make sure you send that to me. Can you do that? I, you, I don't think I saw it on the website, but maybe it was on there, but I, I love to share that with other coaches, if you don't mind. And you're probably going to have some coaches contacting you, you know, wanting to get it. Um, but I appreciate you sharing that. Hey, how can people get a hold of you? You got some great stuff online, man. And I, I want the coaches to kind of know how to get a hold of you. Um, they can shoot me an email at coach D at smbasketball.com. Um, that's my email. Um, I'll, I'm pretty good at answering emails. And then I'm on, on Twitter, I believe at R DiCarlo, just R DiCarlo, D I C A R L O. And I'm pretty active on Twitter. I think uh, coaches should use social media a little bit more. I mean, every time I go on Twitter, it's like a clinic. Um, I'm picking <laughs> something new sure. up. I mean, I mean, John Carrier, I've actually, I met with him several years ago. He's phenomenal online. Obviously, Chris Oliver. Um, there's just so many good stuff. Every time, Twitter's just amazing. Um, you know, Instagram's great for promoting your program, but Twitter's just great for promoting your kids. Um, actually, I got two kids recruited through Twitter by putting their highlight videos online and they got, you know, scholarships off of that. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if any coaches need anything, um, I'll send them anything I got. Cause you know, we're all thieves. Um, I think Dr. Barbara said that we're all thieves as coaches. We're stealing stuff from everybody else. And you know, if anything I could pass along, I definitely would love to. Yeah. Coach, I really appreciate it, man. I, and I really want you guys to finish, man, finish this year. So I'm going to be keeping in contact with you. And I, I wish you guys the best. I know you're – I'm going to keep reading about what you're doing in your program. I've already stolen a couple things. But I appreciate you coming out and sharing with us. I appreciate your time, Coach. I mean, I feel flattered with the, the Mount Rushmore of California coaches you've had on and to be one of the four – I mean, I mean, Coach Phillips, Coach Kiernan, and uh, Coach Sepler are legends in California. And just to be asked was an a honor, to be honest with you. Yeah, thank you so much. And please send me some of those – uh, other coaches contacts if you can because I love to get them on the show as well sounds good I will for sure coach all right thanks Roger I appreciate it thank you Kevin all right Bye. take care Bye. hey coaches this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Hi everyone, this is Joe's Decision from Unleashed Potential and you are now listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado.